Ihor Kozlovsky is a minister and professor of theology. He spent 700 days, almost two years, in captivity, enduring torture while he was imprisoned. This took place in his own homeland. His crime was expressing support for his country's government. Ihor Kozlovsky is a Ukrainian, and his plight illustrates the personal meaning of the conflict between Russia and Ukraine that we'll talk about today on the Exploring History podcast. Welcome to Exploring History with Ray Notgrass, a production of Notgrass History. The world is watching a war take place in the Eastern European country of Ukraine. It is the largest invasion of a country in Europe since World War II. The roots of this conflict go back hundreds of years, and the immediate sources of conflict span the 20th century. Let's unravel this complex and heart-wrenching scenario. Ukraine lies along the northern shore of the Black Sea. It is south of Russia and east of Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, Moldova, and Romania. Slightly smaller than Texas, Ukraine is rich in farmland and natural resources. It is the second largest country in Europe after Russia. The Crimean Peninsula extends south from the mainland of Ukraine into the Black Sea. The Chernobyl nuclear power plant, where a major nuclear accident took place in 1986, is located in Ukraine. Ukrainians and Russians are separate nations with distinct languages and cultures. Because of its location and rich resources, other nations have invaded and dominated Ukraine several times at different points in history. Ukraine enjoyed a period of independence from the mid-1600s until the late 1700s, but eventually the growing Russian Empire absorbed Ukraine and claimed control over it. Many Russians settled in eastern Ukraine and on the Crimean Peninsula. When they did, Russia imposed its language and culture there. When the Communist Revolution took place in Russia in 1917, its leaders formed the Soviet Union. When this happened, Ukraine declared its independence from the Soviet Union. However, three years later, the Soviet Communist government took control of Ukraine and forced it to be part of the Soviet Union. Ukraine suffered greatly under communist rule. The Soviets under Joseph Stalin created famines in Ukraine by manipulating the food supply. The Soviets confiscated food grown in Ukraine and sent it to Russia. Some 8 million Ukrainians died as a result. Then, during World War II, Another 7 to 8 million Ukrainians died as a result of the fighting. You can be assured that Ukrainians remember all of that very well. After the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991, Ukraine again declared itself to be an independent, sovereign nation. Other nations recognized Ukraine, and it became a member of the United Nations as Ukraine. However, many ethnic Russians who live in Ukraine, especially in the eastern part, have wanted to remain allied with Russia. On the other hand, many ethnic Ukrainians have wanted closer ties to Europe. 
A large number of Ukrainians have wanted to join the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, or NATO. Since shortly after World War II, the countries who are part of NATO have worked together to prevent and, if necessary, respond militarily to any attack on one of its members. There has also been wide support in Ukraine for joining the European Union, which is a large group of nations in Europe that cooperate in their economies and political relations. Throughout the 21st century, Ukraine has struggled with pro-Russian and pro-European factions battling each other, sometimes in literal battles. In addition, Ukraine's struggle to transition from communism to freedom has caused great turmoil. Throughout their recent struggles, the majority of Ukrainians have simply wanted a chance to be free. Russia has an interest in controlling Ukraine for two main reasons, the ethnic Russians who live there and the economic and military advantages that would come from controlling Ukraine. Ethnic Russians make up about 17% of Ukraine's population. They live mostly in the eastern part. A majority of people who live on the Crimean Peninsula are ethnic Russians. These people speak Russian as their first language. In 2014, Russia seized control of the Crimean Peninsula. A referendum, probably fraudulent, was held almost immediately there. The vote overwhelmingly endorsed annexation, which Russia swiftly carried out. Russia then built a 12-mile-long bridge between Russia and Crimea to encourage trade and travel and to strengthen Russian ties to Crimea. Russian President Vladimir Putin helped open the bridge in 2019 by driving a truck across the length of the bridge from Russia to Crimea. But the world community condemned the bridge as a violation of Ukrainian sovereignty. Since 2014, thousands of pro-Russian Ukrainians, foreign mercenaries, and regular Russian army troops have been fighting Ukrainian loyalists in southeastern Ukraine. Thousands of Ukrainians, including many civilians, have lost their lives. An estimated 1.7 million people have had to leave their homes because of the fighting. The soldiers who were backed by Russia haven't worn national insignia on their uniforms. This has led many Ukrainians to refer to them as little green men. In other words, Russia was trying to pretend that they weren't really there. Then over the last several months, Russia positioned tens of thousands of its troops along its border with Ukraine. On February 21st of this year, Russian President Putin declared the annexation of two regions in eastern Ukraine. He delivered a long speech that attempted to justify Russian involvement in Ukraine by declaring the independence of Ukraine to be illegitimate. On February 24th, Putin announced that Russian troops were invading Ukraine. He claimed that the purpose of the invasion was the denazification of Ukraine. Nazi is a hot-button term in Russia. The German Nazi attack on the Soviet Union in World War II is still such a bitter memory in Russia that almost 80 years later any reference to it brings an immediate negative response from many Russians. This is understandable, but the claim that Ukraine is Nazified is ridiculous. The Nazis caused considerable destruction in Ukraine during World War II. 
the president of Ukraine is Jewish, and he lost family members in the Holocaust. Ukraine and the Ukrainian government are not Nazis. Russian troops have attacked several cities in Ukraine. Destruction and loss of life, including civilians, have been enormous. Ukrainians are fighting bravely to defend their country. The world community, including the United Nations, has almost unanimously condemned the invasion. The United States and other countries have provided assistance to Ukraine and have almost completely isolated Russian participation in the world economy and in international affairs. In the Notgrass High School curriculum Exploring World Geography, we discuss the conflict between Russia and Ukraine, and we talk a lot throughout the curriculum about worldview. The Russia-Ukraine conflict is a vivid lesson in the importance of worldview. The majority of Ukrainians see themselves as an independent, sovereign country. The United Nations and the international community recognize this. On the other hand, Putin does not recognize Ukrainian sovereignty. He believes that the land and its people rightfully belong to Russia. Putin has said that Ukraine is a made-up country and is not a legitimate country. This reveals his lack of respect for Ukrainian sovereignty. Following the collapse of communism and the breakup of the Soviet Union in 1991, Russia endured several years of instability. When Putin came into office, he sought to reassert and rebuild Russian prestige and power in the world and bring order at home. Americans see the end of the Soviet Union as a great victory for freedom. But Putin has described the breakup of the Soviet Union as a geopolitical disaster. Putin also sees NATO as a threat to Russian sovereignty. NATO is not a threat to Russian sovereignty, and it never has been. NATO was formed after World War II to be a defensive safeguard against Soviet aggression, aggression which was actually taking place in Europe at the time NATO was formed. One Eastern European country after another fell under Soviet domination after World War II. Years later, when the Soviet Union collapsed, many of those countries became members of NATO. Putin sees this development as a threat to Russian sovereignty and power. This is why he opposes Ukraine becoming a member of NATO or the European Union. Russians understandably want to defend themselves against foreign invasion. Several foreign nations have invaded Russia in history. For example, a French army under Napoleon invaded Russia in the early 1800s, and Germany invaded it during World War II. A main reason why the Soviet Union set up puppet governments in Eastern Europe after World War II was to provide a ring of defense for Russia. Yes, Russia has been invaded, but never by NATO and never by Ukraine. If the last two years of the COVID pandemic have taught us anything, it's that we can't make predictions reliably. But here are some possible consequences of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Refugees have begun to flee to other European nations. Already about one and a half million have reportedly done so, and many more will likely follow. Four NATO countries border Ukraine, Hungary, Poland, Romania, and Slovakia. All of them were once Iron Curtain countries with communist governments backed by the Soviet Union. If Putin takes control of Ukraine, and since he sees NATO as a threat, 
what other country might be next. Russia might deploy troops on the borders of these countries to intimidate them, if nothing else. Finland and Sweden have considered joining NATO, but Russia has threatened them with, quote, military and political consequences if they do. In other words, conflict might spread to other parts of Europe. There will undoubtedly be consequences for Ukraine and Russia economically. The war will also affect the world economy. We have seen a rise in prices around the world, especially for fuel. Markets don't like uncertainty, and this conflict has become a huge factor in market prices. Cyber warfare has apparently already taken place. We might see the use of more cyber warfare. We cannot ignore the possible impact this war will have on China. If Russia is successful in taking Ukraine, China might invade the island of Taiwan, which China believes rightfully belongs to China. The Russian-Ukrainian conflict could last for years. Ukraine is not going to roll over in the face of this invasion. The personal individual connections to this conflict are many. Charlene and I have been privileged to meet people from Ukraine living in the United States who homeschool their children. We have admired their commitment to their families. We also have known for years a homeschooling family with Ukrainian roots who lives near us, who are wonderful people. The father and son both serve on their county commission. Victoria Sparts is a member of the U.S. Congress from Indiana. She was born in Ukraine in 1978. She met an American man from Indiana on a train in Europe in the year 2000. They married and moved to Indiana. Victoria became an American citizen, a CPA, a business owner, and eventually was elected to the Indiana State Senate. In 2020, she was elected to Congress. Victoria Sparts is an eloquent and staunch defender of Ukrainian independence and of free enterprise since she knows what it is like to live under socialism. Sparts still has family living in Ukraine. Then there is the spiritual dimension to the conflict. 85% of Ukrainians profess belief in God. Two-thirds of Ukrainians are Orthodox, but even that is complicated because there are Russian Orthodox and Ukrainian Orthodox. There are also many Catholics and Protestants in Ukraine. Ukrainians have shown a significant interest in the gospel as missionaries have presented it to that country. These are the everyday people who are directly affected by the fighting. All of which brings us back to Ihor Kozlovsky, whom we mentioned at the top of this podcast. Six years ago, Kozlovsky, a Christian, spoke out in support of the Ukrainian government when pro-Russian forces seized control of an area of eastern Ukraine where he lived. He was taken into custody in January of 2016. Kozlovsky was beaten to the point that his arms and legs swelled to twice their normal size. Kozlovsky and his wife care for their son, who has Down syndrome, and is confined to a wheelchair because of partial paralysis. Kozlovsky lost his income, and his wife quit her job to take care of their son. Finally, Kozlovsky was released in December of 2017, after 23 months in captivity. Even after his ordeal, Kozlovsky did not want revenge. He said, we must be disciples of love. We might disagree, but we must never turn to guns. 
it is important to talk, not fight. Unfortunately, the conflict has turned to guns. The only way for true resolution to the conflict is through love, justice, and freedom. Pray for peace in Ukraine. I'm Ray Notgrass. Thanks for exploring history and current events with me today. This has been Exploring History with Ray Notgrass, a production of Notgrass History. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app, and please leave a rating and review so that we can reach more people with our episodes. If you want to learn about new homeschool resources and opportunities from Notgrass History, you can sign up for our email newsletter at exploringhistorypodcast.com. This program was produced by me, Titus Anderson. Thanks for listening. <laughs>